Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sam's Report. Today is August 5th, August 5th, 2016, and let's just go ahead and get started for the day. All right, I hope everybody had a good week, and we're going to kick it off here with Therat Premium Updates. Uh, if you have not entered in the Level Up competition, totally recommend doing it. Therat.com slash Level Up. We're giving away an Xbox Elite controller every weekday, at least through the month of August. And really, we're doing it all the way up until we launch Therat Premium. It's probably your best chance at winning something. I mean, I know what the I can tell you what the odds are. They're they're pretty good. They're for a giveaway competition. You're really not going to get much better because we're doing it every single day. So totally do that. Um, we've already announced the winners. You can go to threat.com/levelup/winners, and that that's kind of our transparency. Uh, people who have actually won, and we're shipping them out and doing all that good stuff. So that's, I think, most of the logistics. A lot of people um, prior to, to the show launch were asking about the office here in the studio. Um, a little bit of progress. I bought a chair. <laughs> bought a chair. That's that's really about the extent of it. Uh, we're waiting on some other techn technological technology to show up to arrive. We need to purchase. And uh, that will be kind of the, the ending moment because then I'm going to mount it on that wall, get that wall all buttoned up. I've actually repaired some of the wall behind me. I know none of you guys could really tell, but now it's all, it's a little bit more secure than it was. Um, it, it was a little loose. And so now I've shimmed it up, uh, you know, getting things, just getting it ready, getting it ready. So um, as Eric points out in the chat, if you are a Throat Premium member, you are automatically entered into that level up competition. No purchase necessary, void where prohibited. <laughs> the marketing speak. Actually, somebody in the comments on one of these, uh, went on a rant about how in their specific province of Canada, online giveaways are not legal unless you register it with that province of Canada. And I, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not, I won't ever pretend to be, but that's where the void where prohibited comes in. We're a U.S. entity. We're actually in the state of Illinois. We abide by all laws that are regulatory to the state of Illinois and the United States. And if it's void where you live, then I'm sorry, you can't enter, but that's that's just how these competitions work. We're trying to make it open to everybody. Uh, we didn't want to just say, hey, only for the U.S., because that's kind of dumb, right? So we wanted everybody who anybody can enter. We'll ship these things wherever possible. Uh, yeah, so whatever. Enter. Take it. Take a stab at it. Whatever. And so let's just kind of dive in here. So what's been going on this week? Holy cow, what a big week for launches of Microsoft. We had the anniversary update. We had the Xbox One S. Um, a lot of other good stuff going on. And... I highly recommend that if you have not done so yet, try to get the anniversary update. I've seen some issues where people have had update problems. Uh, we'll dive into that a little bit more later, but check Windows update. As long as your machine is completely up to date, you should be good. And so I'm gonna turn, mute this. I had to get my, uh, my phone repaired and we'll just go ahead and mute that. So that way people message on Twitter because Peter Bright is going nuts and some sort of rant and whatever and keeps copying me in it. <laughs> and it's going crazy and everything is blowing up. So anyways, what is going on in the world of Microsoft this week? I am now using Edge full time. So I kind of noted this on Twitter. I'm going to write it up eventually here after a week of it uh, started the day anniversary update came out. You have not tried it yet. Totally recommend uh, trying out Edge. I know some people are really adverse to using what Google puts out using Chrome and they don't want to use that. So Edge, I 
here was my problem with 1511. I, I've tried it right when it came out, and I tried it when the November release came out, is it crashed constantly. It, it wasn't so much that it was displaying pages badly. It would just crash. And very happy to report, I am, what, almost 48 hours into this, no crashes yet, and it really, it, it's just working. It's just fine. And so I think that's going to be the potentially the verdict here. I mean, I don't see, unless something really bad happens, it's, uh, it works. Like for me, my barrier is I work on the web and when things get in the way of preventing, you know, prevent that, put up a barrier, that's when I've ditched them. That's what happened with Edge last time. And so there you go. So Edge off to a good start. Um, last week, what went on actually on Saturday was my birthday and I totally forgot to do some of this stuff last week. And one of the guys from Microsoft was like, hey, you didn't show that off. So a couple things from one of my trip in Redmond, they... This is one of like things they can laser etch. This is just a mug, and they laser etched my name in it, honorary member of the garage. Um, just a little mug. Uh, other cool thing that I posted up on Twitter, and I, I was so excited that they are actually able to do this, is the Bengals type cover. So this is, and if you're familiar with the NFL, and if you're not, um, you should be, because I love the NFL. But anyways, so this is a Cincinnati Bengals uh, type cover, commissioned by Microsoft. You can see the little Microsoft and NFL. And I don't know what their plan is for this. They wouldn't tell me, and I'm not, I, I don't, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but so there's a bunch of these floatings around. I've seen a Seahawks one now, and now I've seen a Denver one. And obviously, you can see a uh, Bengals. Oh, here we go. Get it the right way. Bengals type cover. So kind of neat. Um, I mean, it's, it's there's no functional difference. It's just Bengals type cover, whatever. Uh, so there you go. So Microsoft's one week wrapped up last week, and I haven't heard who the winner is yet, and I don't know if we will, but uh, typically they like to talk about their one week project, so I was kind of hoping we were going to hear something this week. I've seen a lot of crazy projects involving HoloLens, um, just, <laughs> it's funny, they didn't let me in the tent, but if you're clever at searching social media, you can figure out what a lot of these people were working on. And so there's a lot of different things with HoloLens, that's no big surprise. Uh, extensions for Edge, um, bots were also a big deal. And I was hoping that Microsoft was going to come out and publish a list, and they have not done so yet. Maybe they're not done voting uh, or whatnot, but hopefully we will hear soon what is going on and what came out of one week. That was a lot of fun going up there. Uh, I'm sure everybody who was part of the hackathon actually had a lot, of, a lot of good times, a lot of good food, and everything else. So, aside from the anniversary update, this week, Xbox One S, now available. It is pretty cool. Um, I don't know... If it's really worth an, if you have an Xbox One now, I, I can't really tell you to upgrade unless very specifically you have a 4K TV, then it might be because you get some, you can get, you can do 4K content. So if that's really high on your priority list, then yeah, then maybe. But so far we're, uh, you know, Paul and I both have one now and we've been playing around. It's great. It's smaller. Uh, the coolest thing, in uh, cool figuratively and literally, is that this thing runs quieter, at least for me, and it doesn't seem to put out the same amount of heat. I, I suspect that has to do because the power supply is integrated. That is a huge thing that I don't think enough people really care about. I do, because in my media cabinet, space is tight. So that, that uh, power dongle brick thing, you know, it's like the size of a foot long from Subway would always sit on the outside and it was just annoying, but you know, whatever, I tolerated it. Now that everything's integrated, it is nice. I really, really like it from that aspect. Controller upgrades, 
they're yeah, they're whatever. Um, if you have an Xbox Elite, which you can get through the level up competition by winning, but realistically, if you have an Elite, this thing is doesn't even hold a candle to it. So the textured grip on the back, I don't think it'll ever show on the on the camera. Is really just kind of like this. There's just little dots on the white plastic, so that's not a big deal. That's not a reason to buy this. Um, the little white, the button up here is now just black. It's not the shiny silver um, from the other Xbox controller. And it's whatever. Like, Microsoft, this controller, not even this one, the, the original one that came with the Xbox One is great. I love this controller. I, I really like the Xbox 360 design. I think they did a fabulous job going from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One. And this is just, like, a, a minor revision. Now, the cool thing is, is that it does include Bluetooth, so you can technically use it with your phone or tablet, which leads me to believe, and I fully think this is going to happen, is that game streaming will eventually come to your phone and tablet and other things, and Microsoft is like saying, hey, let's give them a controller to actually use that with. And so I think that's a really forward-looking thing and hints about the future of where they're going, potentially with the media streamers that I had information on that might contain Bluetooth, and these guys would work with it. So, just keep that in mind. Other things with the Xbox One, I don't know, it, it just looks good. It Somebody said it was the best looking console ever made. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, I, I don't really know what one would trump it. <laughs> trump it, what a politically correct term. Uh, would top it at this point, but it is great. Like, I'm not complaining. I think it looks... Microsoft, good job. I'll be curious to see what they do with the Scorpio. Uh, I don't think they'll be able to keep it this size. If they keep a Scorpio this size, that would be nuts. Uh, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to Scorpio. But should you buy this one? Well, first off, it's $399. You can't get the $299 version yet. That will not come until the Christmas time. So you're looking at at least $400 bucks for, for the new console. I don't know. It's tough. Like, if you're an enthusiast and you have $400 bucks just sitting around, go ahead and buy it. It's, it's a very high-quality mid-cycle refresh of the Xbox One. That's the best way to describe it. You're not gaining anything new. Now, mine does run a little bit faster. I don't know if my old one was just like on its way out, but the dashboard does seem to run um, a bit better. And it's hard to tell if that's the new hardware uh, or the fact that Microsoft just pushed out a large update that enabled things in which they enabled the Cortana stuff, which I could not stand. Um, I, I don't use voice with my Xbox One and... I, it was really annoying, actually, because three times while playing games that you hear that little dink and you think it's, oh, I got an achievement. But no, it was Cortana saying, hey, don't forget about me. Let's use these features. So there you go. Uh, Xbox One S, totally check it out. One kind of qualm I have with some of the coverage, I guess, is people wrote like reviews of this console. And I'm assuming, and maybe this is a bad assumption, but it can't be every single site. But I got mine on Friday of last week, so a week ago today, which means I had it for two days, two, a little over two days. I don't know how you can review a console in two days. I don't know how to review anything in two days. So that's why I just did a hands-on. Um, Paul and I will do a more in-depth review later. But I don't know, two days wasn't enough time. And my favorite feature, and I'll end on this, is what Microsoft did to the power button on the Xbox One. is now a physical button, much like this. So this guy, like, you can't really see, but you can push it in. The original Xbox, black Xbox One, it was just a touch sensor. So if you bumped it, it turned on. Um, if you're screwing it around and, and sliding your hand around in the media cabinet, you could accidentally turn it on, which I had done many, many times. So it's now a physical button. This makes me very happy. My daughter won't turn it on uh, by accident. I won't turn it on when I'm 
endlessly configuring things and whatnot. So there you go. Xbox One S. Good good job, Microsoft. Mid-cycle upgrade. I don't know if it's worth upgrading if you have one, unless you have a 4K TV. If you're buying a new console, if you're buying an Xbox One, totally recommend the Xbox One S over the original. Unless... Unless you find a really good deal, which there are some good deals on the Xbox One. Uh, I was seeing prices down in like 250 bucks with a couple games. I don't know. Just just weigh your options. You've got Sleek and Slim and a little bit cooler, or you've got this really good value proposition in the older one. I don't know. It's a, it's a kind of interesting thing. I'll be curious to see if it actually bumps Microsoft sales. Can't imagine it hurting them in any way, shape, or form. So, jumping away from Xbox One S, even though I love it and I've been using this thing every day, playing a lot of Overwatch. Uh, so, I dove into the world of Skype bots this week, and it was a disaster. Um, first off, I it kind of got started by a Reddit thread where I tweeted, I, I copied the image, and then I, I linked to it, um, if you go find the tweet on my Twitter account, of somebody who created a bot or was using a bot that wasn't properly sanitizing its inputs, and uh, that... The little joke is Little Bobby drop tables, and it completely screwed up uh, the bot and essentially broke it. But, I don't know, the post is going kind of nuts. You, you, I don't know, what, we're like at 1,000 retweets? Yeah, 1,027 over, over this Skype failure. But anyways, so I tried to use some of the more official bots, which uh, Skyscanner was the first one that I used, and it completely was not working at all. It was returning, every time I asked it a question, it returned a link to download Skype for desktop. And I, like, I didn't make any sense of this, so I tweeted at the Skype people and the Skyscanner people. What it turned out was I didn't have the absolute latest version of Skype, being meaning the one that had come out that week. And why Skype didn't update on itself, I don't know. So once I got it installed, uh, I mean, the bot worked. It, I only tried it with one. Oh, I tried it with a couple. But I was trying to actually get some useful productivity out of it. I was using Skyscanner, Sky excuse me. And I am going to Ignite on September 18th. And I believe I'm flying home September 21st. So I wanted to see about booking a flight or like getting information through this Skyscanner bot. And it, it, it took so much more effort to get the information I needed, which ended up ultimately not being what I needed uh, through the bot. Like, And I don't want to say that bots are useless, but we're at like the, if these bot things take off, we're at the very, very beginning. And this reminds me of when I got my first CD burner. It was a CD 2X, 2X burner, and it was approximately the size of a small toaster. And at the time, it would take like four hours to burn a CD, just a CD, not even a DVD. And it reminds me of that. I was like, okay, I can see where this could potentially going, but we are not anywhere close to that. And I think this is a, there needs to be a lot of AI work done on the back end to make these things more intuitive. But realistically, I ended up just going to Delta.com and searching for flights that way. So it wasn't, I didn't gain any efficiency out of using the bot, which is completely counterintuitive to what a bot is supposed to do. The bot is supposed to make your workflow more seamless, and in this case, it just took more time. So we'll see if these bots ever really come to fruition. One thing I would love for Microsoft to actually do is actually give me a, a live stream in Skype of all the bots that are potentially I could use. So right now, it's just like an individual conversation. You add a bot, and it's another conversation. What I would almost like is a Twitter timeline type scenario of the bot information that I can interact with. And let's say like I'm talking to Paul, and I mention a flight. Is That timeline would then light up and say, hey, let me help you find your flight. To me, that would potentially be a little more interesting. I don't know if it would be too much noise. But right now, it's it's 
they're not there yet. I haven't found or heard of anybody saying this bot has changed my life. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if these things mature fast enough or if the bot idea is uh, just going to fade away. I don't know. Every, the big deal is people think they're going to replace apps. So if they take off, there'll be bots for everything. But right now the bots are kind of, I don't know, they're a little bit useless. And we're still not there yet. But Microsoft made a big post about it, and that's why I was trying out Skyscanner. But I digress. Um, another cool thing that came out this week, actually, and this is big props to Microsoft. This is a really cool product. And it sounds incredibly boring, but it is awesome. It's uh, Microsoft has a new Excel API. Excel API. So in a nutshell, what this allows a developer to do is to build a an app that uses uh, this Excel API to pull data out of a spreadsheet. And now this is really cool for several reasons. One, if you are building financial business models, they're they're typically very complex. And so when you build them into an app, that 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 developer has to then go and recreate that model that came from Excel, because that's generally where financial people work, and then recreate that model inside the application. So what this allows them to do is the developer doesn't have to recreate that model, which reduces the likelihood of an error occurring in that application because they screwed up the financial model. And so what they can do is program it to go pull the information from an Excel file. Even more cool is that Excel for a lot of small companies is used as database. It's a database. That's what it is, um, either for goods, for names or whatever. And so now that a developer no longer has to recreate a database to go pull information from an Excel file. So they don't have to recreate the username file or the inventory file uh, in a database. They just go use this API, grab the file out of an Excel document, and there you go. So I, I really like this. I love Excel. I've used it for many, many years. And I think this is a pretty neat thing that Microsoft has created because anybody can use Excel. In the corporate world, Excel, is, especially in finance and accounting, um, Excel is everything. And now that those documents, those source documents can now be used in applications to pull data from a specific cell is nuts to me. That's really cool. I really like what Microsoft is doing there. Other weird things, not weird things, what am I saying? Other things that came out, Microsoft uh, delivered a Starbucks app. If you drink coffee and you like Starbucks, there's an app for that now. I mean, it's, it's just one more kind of high profile name into the Microsoft store, which is good. Microsoft needs to celebrate all these wins and I'm all about it. Good job, Microsoft. You got a Starbucks app and it just kind of shows that there are some things moving on. Other things in the world of Microsoft, uh, Surface Pro 3 gets firmware fixes uh, for anniversary update. So the interesting thing about this is you have to actually install the anniversary update to get these fixes. And the, the documentation says improves stability and performance when changing between power states. So everybody read power states and they're like, ah, this is the Simplo battery fix. It is not. Uh, Mary Jo Foley chimed in said, uh, or got the comment from Microsoft and they said, no, this, this doesn't address that specific issue. So Simplo battery users, you're still kind of out of luck at this point. And hopefully Microsoft, hopefully they, they get on this pretty soon. So... That's the Surface Pro 3. And Garage Apps. I know we're just plowing through, but I, that's just the kind of the way we roll around here. Uh, Garage Apps. So I wrote up a premium article for Throughout.com, and I'm going to talk about it now. So if you're not a premium user, you'll get a little bit of insight about what the article says. But so one of the things I did last week was I went into Microsoft's Garage. In uh, the Garage, for those who are not familiar, is the, micro, the internal Microsoft incubator for applications, hardware, 
basically if you have an idea and it's not related to your primary like let's say you work on excel and you want to go build an app that forecasts the weather what you can do is you can apply to the garage to help get them to help you actually build that application so what the garage is is it's a startup with inside of the company and i got to go walk through it and they have this nice big uh center where they've got laser cutters that allow you to do things like this, like etch your name on glass. They've got 3D printers. They've got CNC machines. They've got welding. They've got uh, soldering. They've got any type of thing you could ever need to create something in the physical world available to employees. But they've also got the software and services and knowledge base on the backside. So every time a garage app comes out, two things will happen. I download it and somebody will complain that it's not on their platform because a lot of the garage apps don't make their way to I to Windows or they're only on iOS or they're only on Windows or they're only on Android and people complain. And so I wanted to figure out why, why does this happen? And so because of the way the garage works, it's all about solving scenarios and getting something to market. And so because they're small teams, they don't have the ability or capability to build apps on every platform. Specifically, if they're building an app that they are targeting a female demographic, <clears throat> you're targeting a female demographic and they want to gather some data about a process. They told me, they said, hey, look, we build for an iPhone only. There's no reason to build for an Android. You're not going to get the demographic that you want. Same with Windows Phone. You're not going to get the female demographic that you want. And so that's what they do is they set a scope and a demographic and they say, how do we reach this to accomplish the goal? And if it's a wide ranging applications, then they build it for everything. <clears throat> Man, I'm losing my voice a little bit. But if it's for a specific product or demographic or scope or whatever, then they just target that. They get it out in the market. They get the information. And hey, if the information comes back and they say, hey, this is a hit, then they will build it out for everything. And to get your app into the garage, it's not like you just walk up and just start doing it and they'll ship it under the garage. What you do is you actually apply to this company or the company group called the Launchpad. And that Launchpad will then evaluate your idea. And if they're like, hey, there's something to this, then they will pass it on and then it'll get approved. And then they will help you build out a marketing plan, uh, a milestone strategy, a knowledge base strategy, basically everything else you would get in a standard product launch. They help you do and then ship it. And so it's a really cool thing inside of Microsoft, but that's hopefully the reason and hopefully that I pervade that or pervade that correctly. Um, that's why they're not always on every single platform. And so that, that did make a lot of sense to me, although it still doesn't make it any easier when they release a really cool app that's not on your device or platform of choice. But that is that's what's going on. Um, one of the things that has come out of Microsoft recently is Microsoft PIX, P-I-X, and it's a better way to take a photo. And so it's really cool. I mean, it, you can go read it anywhere, but really what Microsoft is doing, and if you haven't figured this out yet, is they're replacing every application that Apple or, or Google make that ship with Android or iOS. They are remaking all of them. So they've got well, they don't have a web browser yet, but they've got calendar, they've got email, they've got cloud, they've got camera, they've got it all. And so that's their strategy. And that's why Nadella, he did an interview with Bloomberg this week. They don't talk about mobile devices, mostly because they can't penetrate that market. And don't get me wrong, if they had 20% of the market, they would be very happy, but they can't, they, they can't get there. So they talk about the mobility of the experience, which is really making sure that your Microsoft content goes with you everywhere. The thing they still haven't figured out and I'm waiting for them to come through and acknowledge this, is they still haven't figured out now that I use Edge. Edge obviously does not work on an Android or iOS. So 
the mobility of the experience for using their browser still doesn't make sense. They've got to find a way to, to leverage or leap that gap between what iOS has and what Google has with Chrome, because you can get Chrome on both. Obviously, you can't get Edge, and I don't think they're going to build Edge for um, iOS, although I'd be curious to see if they just buy somebody and rebrand it like Mobile Edge for iOS or something dumb like that. And the reason I bring all this up is because BlackBerry announced they're going to do the exact same thing. They actually unlocked a lot of their Android-only web apps, or not web apps, applications that have security and contact and management and all that stuff uh, on Android. So they are now pursuing the same goal that Microsoft is with their own applications. The BlackBerry has a pretty good reputation for building secure, secure products. So they are doing this, although it is not quite the same business model. Microsoft is like free, ad-free, all that good stuff. But what they're going to try to do is they want to try to get you, I think it's 99 cents a month after like 30 days or 90 days or something. They want to get you hooked and then they want you to start paying a subscription for these applications. I will be curious to see if anybody takes them up on that. Um, I don't know. I'll be curious to see. I mean, best of luck to BlackBerry. They've had a, a really tough time lately and I don't want to see any more of those people lose their jobs. But this is a tough business model. But at the same time, what are they going to do? They can't sell phones. They're in the same camp Microsoft is. Fortunately, Microsoft has Azure and Windows and all this other stuff on the back end to give them revenue to support all this stuff. Whereas BlackBerry has, they have some stuff on the back end, some enterprise applications. Actually, the Ford that I just bought, uh, my wife, the infotainment actually uses, what is it called? Cunix, which is BlackBerry. So we'll see. We will see what happens there. So the anniversary update is out. Everybody can go grab it. You can do it through Windows Update, which is what I did. And a lot of people were asking, they said, Brad, are you going to do a clean install? Um, I, th I honestly think that we're past that stage in the software world with Windows. There used to be a time with like Windows XP, if you're upgrading, just wipe it and fresh install. Um, same with Vista, even Windows 7. Um, I kind of stopped doing it with Windows 8. And Windows 10, I've not had, knock on wood here. I've not had any issues with updating. It installed, it took exactly 32 minutes. I started it right at one o'clock. That's from when I clicked download to when I was back on the desktop was 32 minutes. And so I, I ran through everything. I honestly had no issues. It restarted, I think three times, two or three times. I can never remember, I walk away. And yeah, it was great. So just because my experience was great doesn't mean everybody was. Um, I got a lot of random kind of one-off, and I, I can never really determine if there's more issues. But one person, one person, and one person only—I I need to qualify that—said that after installing the anniversary update, one of their partitions was missing, and they couldn't recover it. Which is—that's a really nerve-wracking scenario, especially because you don't know what's on that partition. Uh, that was kind of the biggest one. A couple people said the anniversary update failed. Uh, would not install and then it, it you know rolls back um, and I don't I didn't hear any more I didn't hear any more from those users so I'm assuming that a second time maybe it worked uh, and then the other issue that seemed a little bit more widespread was Wi-Fi people were saying that their Wi-Fi was now not working and they couldn't get it to connect them with no throughput of the the packets so that those were kind of the big issues that came across the Twitter Twitter desk um, at least for me. But for the most part, it seems like everything went pretty well. Uh, one of the other issues that I had, which I, I think was related to the anniversary update, I'm not quite sure if it was that, it was with Edge, is I installed LastPass. Uh, I'm big LastPass users, LastPass user, and it wouldn't work correctly. Like it, it just didn't work. Like it installed, it looked like it was great, but I actually had to uninstall it and then reinstalling it, then it was fine. 
Um, and I should note that this machine that I'm on right now never had an insider build on it. Uh, my desktop has to remain stable for work. And so I, I've got a Surface Book here and a Surface Pro 4. Those both get the insider builds, but I don't put it on my desktop. So I don't know if that played into anybody's issue or not. So there you go. Anniversary update out. Go grab it. It's well worth it. There's a lot of little features that make it great. Um, the one thing, the one thing I wish I could change, and this is Microsoft, if you could just give us an option, get throw me a bone here for this one, is I want that notification center icon or the action center icon to the left of the clock. <laughs> it's such, it's such a minor thing. And if somebody creates a little hack to do this, they would be my best friend forever. But I don't like, I, I like looking in the bottom right corner and seeing the clock, not the Note action center icon, which I don't use all that much. I know some people use it quite a bit. Um, I'm I just don't. I don't. I don't know. I, it, to me, the action center is quite a bit of noise. I use the little shortcuts in there, but yeah. Um, Jonathan is saying, "Is Brad? You can turn that icon completely off if you don't use it." Okay, no, that's actually good to know. That might be my solution. So I totally need to investigate that. Uh, I right mouse clicked on it. I can actually do it right now. And what happens when I right mouse click on it? I say, don't show app icons, which isn't correct. Don't show number notifications. Turn on quiet hours. Um, I'll have to investigate actually how you turn that icon off. It's definitely not a right-click solution. Uh, it's hidden in the settings. So there you go. Uh, consider that the second Windows tip of the week, or Windows Insider tip of the week. You can actually turn that off, apparently. Uh, so thanks for that tip, Jonathan. Totally appreciate that. Uh, it says you need to find where you toggle the system icons. So there you go. That is what's going on. What else is going on in the Windows world this week? Uh, Microsoft, this is really important actually. If you've put the anniversary update on, Microsoft has limited the rollback period to 10 days. It used to be 30 days that you could any day during the first 30 days of an install, you could then roll back to a prior version of Windows 10. And so with the anniversary update, they limited that to 10 days. So a couple thoughts on this. First off, Microsoft, you should have been a lot more clear about this. Uh, it was kind of discovered by accident by Richard, is it Richard Hay, uh, good friend, who writes Win Super Site, Paul's old stomping ground. Uh, actually uncovered it, I believe, by accident. And Microsoft never clearly communicated this for whatever reason, probably because they're not great at communicating. But in the first 10 days, you can still roll back to 1511. If you want after 10 days, you cannot. So shame on them for not communicating it clear enough, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Here's why. Uh, Microsoft, in their comment about why this happened, their telemetry said, hey, if people are going to roll back, it's going to be really, really quickly. It's going to happen in the first couple days. And that I agree with, because if you think about it, if you install a build and it's terrible, you're not going to tolerate it for 29 days. You're going to be like, screw this, three days in, be like, I'm going back to the to stable land, and you get rid of it. So I understand why, and why they would do that. I just wish that they, again, were more clear about their communication, but just keep in mind, you've got till August 10th, essentially, uh, to roll back. After that date, uh, Microsoft or Microsoft Windows 10 is gonna remove the old bits. And so the benefit of this is, is that it then frees up that storage space on your hard drive. So it, it's not like a huge like conspiracy thing. They're just like, ah, eh, people are gonna do it quickly. Let's just give them their hard drive space back. So there you go. Uh, that is what's going on with that. Uh, Windows 10 Pro, a couple, uh, this is kind of, this makes me a little nervous. So Windows 10 Pro had some features removed with the anniversary update. And they're not, they're not major features. So if you go back, I believe it was May of this year, Microsoft returned off the ability in group policy to turn off the store for Windows 10 Pro. 
And now what they're doing with Windows 10 Pro is turning off the ability to turn off Spotlight, um, app recommendations, and also uh, I believe like the ads um, and all that stuff. So you can, and with group policy, you can no longer turn this stuff off in the anniversary update. Now, granted, that is not a debilitating maneuver. What is more scary, though, is this is the second time Microsoft has removed features from Windows 10 Pro. And a lot of small businesses use Windows 10 Pro because it supports domain join. And I wonder if Microsoft will ever remove domain join or possibly only limit it to Azure domain join, Azure Active Directory. And the reason why they're doing this is they're now making enterprise edition of Windows 10 starting at $7 a month. They want every business on the planet. They're not officially saying that terminology, but trust me, they want every business on the planet using the enterprise edition at $7 a month or 84, what is that? $84 a year. And so I hope we're not seeing the beginning of Windows 10 Pro kind of losing its pro status, going from professional to prosumer. So... There you go. Those things, they're just kind of, they're making the pro less pro is what they're doing. And while this change, again, isn't the biggest debilitating factor in the world, it's just the trend of what Microsoft is trying to do here. And realistically, it's like, what are you going to do? If you're a small business and they're screwing up pro, you don't have a lot of options. It's not like you're going to roll out Chromebooks. Uh, OS X is not nearly ready for a large enterprise or even a, a small one at that. It still significantly lags behind what Windows can do. And not to mention Apple's support model is dramatically different from the Microsoft. So if you're angry about Microsoft changes, don't even venture into the Apple world of enterprise because you're going to be up the creek without a paddle very quickly. But what I was, what I wonder is what they're actually going to turn Pro into. What I... And I'm going to write this up here eventually. Um, Paul and I talked about this quite a bit actually earlier this week. Is that we could actually see, and this is hypothesizing, uh, nothing ingrained yet. Is that one day Windows Basic, like the Windows Home right now, is just completely free. Right? Just like it is today. And Windows 10 Pro actually becomes the software as a service, the subscription model of Windows 10. And when you pay for it, let's just make up a number and say $5 a month for Windows 10 Pro. What you get is like Groove, Xbox Live, um, potentially like an Office 365 subscription or something like that. They'd have to charge more than $5 a month. But maybe that's how they start introducing the consumer to it. Windows Home, free. Windows 10 Pro, 5 bucks a month or something like that. I don't know. I got to flesh that out more and do some research and see if that actually even makes sense. And this is like way long-term looking stuff about how Microsoft will eventually pivot that platform. But... If you hear anything more about a deprecation of features in Windows 10 Pro, totally let me know. Really, really curious to see that. And so kind of kind of leading up to Windows 10 stuff, Microsoft made a post, um, it was like a day and a half ago, that actually said for the first time very clearly in a very clear-cut language that there are no more feature updates coming to Windows 10 in 2016. Now, if you've been listening, I've been saying that for a while. Uh, Mary Jo has been saying it. Others have been saying it. Hey, this is it. But this is the first official time that I have seen Microsoft actually acknowledge that, hey, there are no more feature packs coming to Windows 10 this year. What they did say is that there are two, two coming in 2017, which from my understanding is going to be closer to the Windows Windows threshold release cycle, which was um, targeted, remember, keep in mind, targeted for late spring and uh, mid fall, which is roughly like October and June. 
And so these timelines could change, but this is just kind of what their paper milestones are. Actually, I believe Redstone 1 was targeted for the end of June, and obviously it came out in August. I also wonder if my definition or what my thought mentality of their milestones are in my head are slightly different than what I read. They very well could be is that when they list a date like that, that's when development stops. And then after that, it's only bug bashing until, until they choose a release date. And maybe that's the way I need to start thinking about it. Knowing that, then we should see a very similar threshold uh, release cycle. The thing that tosses this all up in the air is that we know that there's a hardware refresh. At least we believe there's a hardware free refresh potentially coming in the spring. Um, been hearing mixed things about maybe something in the fall, um, uh, this fall, or potentially next spring. So we'll see if something materializes this fall, but we've been hearing for a while that Service Book 2, Pro 5 were supposed to be a fall release. Now, Intel kind of screwed that up a little bit because they're shipping Cabby Lake now because Skylake was such a dumpster fire. So I don't know if that changes anything or how that impacts any of this, but there you go. So that's what's coming along. And people keep asking what's going to be in Redstone 2. I don't, and Redstone 2 and 3 for that matter. I haven't heard that they've changed the code name, but... Here's what I've heard, and there was a really interesting debate on Twitter with Tom Hounsel uh, and some others this morning about about this information. So I've heard from a couple people in the operating services group, OSG, that the next couple of updates are going to be targeted at completing the modulization of Windows 10. Right now, Microsoft can update it whenever they want, um, and they, they promote that fact, but the real reality of it is on the back end, there's a lot more work. It's not it's not so simple and clean cut as we think it is. It's like, Hey, they just ship builds and it's all that. Um, at least from their perspective, there's more work to be done on the back end side so that they can then begin to update windows 10 even faster. So next year would be twice a year. This would be once a year to me. That's not really super fast. Don't get me wrong. It's significantly faster than the three year cadence. They were, they've done a great job of getting it up into a faster release cycle. But what if they got to like quarterly updates? Imagine that. Imagine how crazy that would be. Uh, and they need to get complete this kind of back-end work to make that a possible. Um, Tom Hounds will actually quote, it, quote, I will quote him or roughly quote him and saying that they're working on a new Delta upgrade um, path for Windows 10. And I had heard something very similar. And it, it's how they're going to move new bits into the existing Windows 10 framework. And that's kind of the back-end hierarchy. Uh, look at where they're headed with Windows 10. There's, don't get me wrong, there's going to be features, but it's like, what are the goals um, from an infrastructure standpoint? So that's kind of looking ahead at Redstone. And the other things going on, just for those who are aware, HoloLens got Windows 10 as well, and the Windows 10 anniversary update and the SDK anniversary update was also out. So that about wraps things up. I want to end with the Windows Insider tip of the week. You know what? I kind of hinted at this earlier. If you gave up Edge like I did, give it a second try. Get, try Edge, uh, especially on a laptop, mostly because you'll get better battery life, at least according to Microsoft's data. So give Edge a second try. Extensions make all the difference. For me, uh, LastPass is, the, is what is like, I think, sealing the deal because Chrome does exceptionally well password sync. That was the thing that was missing from Edge for me. It's like I would go from different machine, like my, my service book to my desktop, and the passwords will not sync, and it would drive me nuts. But now that I'm using LastPass, which is working very well as an extension, it, all the major problems have been resolved. So at least from, from that perspective. So tip of the week, 
give Edge a second try. See how it works out for you. And as always, everybody, have a good weekend. Appreciate you watching and catch you next time.